Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 12. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off on Cyprus. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of the Lord in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They travelled through the whole island until they came to Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind, and for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Please keep your Bibles open there at Acts chapter 13. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we approach these verses, uh, we pray that your spirit will give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, prepare our hearts for what you have for us this morning. And guide us, Lord, as we reflect on these verses. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the mid-1800s, a boys' school named Newmarket Academy in Cambridge, England, employed a cook named Mary King. Now, most of us will have never heard of Mary King. She wasn't an author. She wasn't a big-name evangelist or missionary. But instead, she was just a simple, godly cook who loved the Lord and who loved talking about the hope that she has in Jesus. But despite her very normal occupation and position in life, her ministry continues to influence Christians around the world today, even though most people haven't even heard of her. Mary was a devout follower of Jesus who loved to talk about her faith and her theology and would often have long conversations with the students who studied at Newmarket Academy. she talked about things like what it means to be godly, can we have assurance of salvation, and all sorts of aspects about the covenant of grace. And in the course of time, God's sovereign hand brought a young and bright, intelligent young man named 
Charles Haddon Spurgeon into Mary's life. Now, while Spurgeon studied at Newmarket Academy, well, he'd often find himself wrestling with deep theological ideas. And as he wrestled with God's word, it wasn't the theological lecturers that he went to. In those times when he was trying to figure all these things out, it was Mary, the college's cook, that he went and spoke to. And she willingly spent hours explaining everything she knew about God's word. And as Mary was speaking about the hope that she has in Jesus, she had no idea what God was going to do with that. No idea the role she was playing in advancing God's kingdom. To this day, Charles Spurgeon is one of the most well-known preachers in history. And the reason for that is he is the most read preacher in history, apart from the biblical authors. In his lifetime, he preached to more than 10 million people, which is amazing considering he only lived to the age of 57. He was an extraordinarily gifted preacher. And yet even late in his life, he wrote of his friend, dear Mary King, and the influence that she had had on his walk with the Lord. He wrote, from her I got all the theology I ever needed. The story of this faithful follower of Jesus, Mary King, nobody, most people have never heard of, is a helpful reminder that God is able to use each of us in extraordinary ways, even if the ways we serve him are only fairly normal. We don't need to be Spurgeons or Billy Grahams or John Pipers for God to be able to use us in amazing ways. What we need to do is to fix our eyes on the hope we have in Jesus. God is able to use us as individuals and as a congregation to do far more than we dare ask or imagine as his spirit works in us. And that's what we're seeing in today's passage. In these verses, a quite new church, the church in Antioch, is having an incredible impact in the advancement of the gospel as they prayerfully and sacrificially send out their friends and brothers in Christ, Paul and Barnabas as they send them out to go and make disciples. And as they faithfully serve Christ and his kingdom, this quite new church played an incredible role in sending the gospel out to the nations. We aren't a a big congregation. We don't live in a big city. We don't have an endless amount of resources. But what these verses are showing us is that God is able to use us in amazing ways, just as he did Mary King and just as he did the church in Antioch. We keep our eyes fixed on the hope we have in Jesus. God is able to do far more than we dare ask or imagine as his spirit works through us. As we get into these verses, we're introduced to the incredibly diverse and multicultural leadership in the church in Antioch. Barnabas was from Cyprus, an island in the Mediterranean Sea. Simeon was from Africa, and he seems to have uh, had dark-coloured skin because 
uh, the name Niger means black. Lucius was from Cyrene, which is in North Africa. Menaean had grown up in Galilee and of all things was a stepbrother to Herod Antipas. Now, we, I, I explained this a few weeks ago. Herod Antipas was the one who had John the Baptist beheaded and the one who conspired against Jesus to have him crucified and was also the uncle of Herod Agrippa. And then finally, we have Saul from Tarsus. And of course, Tarsus is in Syria. All of these men had very different experiences and very, very different backgrounds. But they're all united by their common hope in the risen Lord Jesus. Verse 2 tells us that one day while they were praying together, worshipping the Lord, the Holy Spirit told this leadership to set apart Barnabas and Saul for the mission the Spirit had for them to do. Now, if you've ever experienced sending off a brother or a sister in Christ who is a big encouragement to you, then you'll know the level of sacrifice that these early believers were making. It might sound a bit selfish or ungodly, but it is hard to send off godly and gifted people from your congregation to go and go off to Bible college, to go and serve in another church or to do overseas mission. It's hard because we miss them in our local church. We see all the opportunities and the ways they're serving there. At the same time, we know that by sending people out, we have the opportunity to partner in God's mission in another place. There's no doubt that the leadership in Antioch would have felt this same sort of loss as they sent off Paul, an incredibly gifted preacher, and Barnabas, a very gifted encourager and disciple-maker. Because they knew that it was God's will for this to happen, to grow his kingdom, they did what the Holy Spirit had asked them to do and sent these two men off on mission. Now, this is what's often referred to as the first of Paul's three missionary journeys that we'll read about in the book of Acts. And as Paul and Barnabas set off on their journey with a companion, John Mark, they were led by the Spirit to Seleucia, then Cyprus, then Salamis. They travelled around the island there. Then they finally made it to Paphos, where they were instantly met with opposition. And this opposition came in the form of a man named Bar-Jesus. The name Bar-Jesus means son of the Saviour. But it's very clear from the description that this man was no son of the Saviour. He was, however, the proconsul's uh, Sergius Apollos' attendant. A proconsul was a, a very important military commander of their local Roman province. We're told in verse 7 that Sergius Polus was an intelligent man, not, not easily fooled, not easily led astray. And he had sent for Paul and Barnabas because he wanted to hear the word of God for himself. But Elamus, or Bar-Jesus, as he was named, realised the insecurity of his position if, his, if the proconsul came to saving faith in Jesus. So he did everything he could to try and stop Sergius Polus from hearing the good news of Jesus. Of course, filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul rebuked Bar-Jesus 
And effectively, he said, you aren't a son of the Savior. He says, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. Then he pronounced God's judgment on this enemy of God. And you'll notice that the judgment that's being pronounced here would be very familiar to Paul. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind and for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. As soon as Paul said those words, Bar-Jesus was struck with blindness. He was unable to see and began fumbling around. Paul himself knew what it was like for God to strike him blind. God had done this to him back when he was an enemy of God himself. Just like Paul's experience, this blindness that was to come on by Jesus was only for a time. As God judged this man, he was showing him mercy and giving him an opportunity to repent. Sadly, we're not told whether he did or not. To say, I would love to know. But what we are told is that as God struck this man blind, he opened up the eyes of Sergius Polis. He gave him eyes to see and ears to hear. He used the rebellion of this one man to open the eyes of another. We're told in verse 12 that Sergius Polis was amazed, not at this miraculous sign, but at the teaching of the word of God. He wasn't amazed by the miracle but by the message that it brought about this miraculous sign. And the word of God continued to increase and spread because of the work of the Holy Spirit and the faithfulness of this local church in Antioch as they played their part in God's mission. As the believers in the church at Antioch sent out Paul and Barnabas, they had no idea what God was going to do with their faithfulness. God was doing far more than they dare ask or imagine. God was using their obedience to advance his kingdom. God was also using Bar-Jesus' rebellion to advance his kingdom. C.S. Lewis once wrote these words, For you will certainly carry out God's purposes, however you act. But it makes a difference to you whether you serve like Judas or like John. Bar Jesus fought against God's purposes because he was afraid of losing his earthly position as he attended to the proconsul. But despite his rebellion, God used him to bring about his purposes and bring the proconsul to himself. What that's teaching us is that even when we are following God's plan, even if we are working within his will, there will be times when opposition like bar Jesus comes our way. When they do, we can rest assured that God is able to use even those who are fighting against his purposes for his glory and for the good of those who love him. Today's passage is showing us that we don't need to be Paul's or Barnabas's or even Spurgeon's to play a role in God's mission. Because if we keep our eyes fixed on the hope we have in Christ Jesus, God's able to do more than we dare imagine through his power, through his spirit working in us.
The leadership in Antioch could have resisted the Holy Spirit. They could have tried to keep Paul and Barnabas to themselves. They could have adopted an inward focus and cared about their community and their mission first. But instead, they fixed their eyes on Jesus. And God did more than they dare ask or imagine. Today's passage is encouraging each of us as individuals and as a congregation to fix our eyes on Jesus and his mission. Not many of us are called to be Pauls or Barnabases or Spurgeons, but we are all called to be faithful in making disciples for Jesus. Some of us do this by being a part of camps and outreaches outside of our community. Others do this in ministries within our community like Primetime, KYB, Playgroup and Kids Ministries. As individuals and as a congregation, we support missionaries and we sponsor children. We regularly pray for those people as well. None of this is insignificant in God's eyes. Think back to Mary King. All she did was sit down and patiently share the hope she had with a bright young student. God used that in a much greater way than she could have ever imagined. God is able to use us in a much greater way than we dare imagine. Let's keep our eyes fixed on the hope we have in Christ Jesus. Let's look for every opportunity that he provides for us to serve him, knowing that he is able to do far more than we dare imagine as we fix our eyes on Jesus and as his spirit works through us. Let's pray. Father God, we we thank you for this reminder of the hope we have in Christ Jesus that this hope is not dependent on us, on our skills or abilities, but on the work of your spirit. We pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, to not lose sight of our eternal hope. We pray that you would help us to take up those opportunities that you put before us and to trust in you, not in our abilities, as we take up those opportunities trusting that you will do far more with them than we dare ask or imagine as your spirit works through us. And we pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.